Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. I'm Steve Ryder, and I just want to thank the following people for giving us a review on iTunes. Alex Designs, Coach Phaedra, and Nick at 5 Minutes with Dad. Thank you. And thanks to everyone that has shared us on blogs, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and especially everyone that has personally communicated with John and myself about how this show has helped you. Please let us know where we are helping you and where we may be missing the mark. This is a show for you and your participation is critical this first year. So thanks. I've hated the word networking, frankly, because to me it was transactional. It was manipulative. Mm -hmm. You know, you go into a room and there's 500 people that run at you with a business card. And so the, the truth is you just focus on the other person. You get out of yourself. You find out what they're doing in life, and then you immediately figure out how to add value. And so that's exactly how I built such a um, strong, powerful network. And, and I can make literally almost anything happen. That's Judy Robinette. And on today's Eternal Leadership, we are going to dive in on how Judy transformed herself from a shy and bullied small town girl and into that connection queen, as well as how to nurture those connections into friends that can help transform your business from struggling to seeing explosive growth. Here's my co-host John Ramstead and I talking with author Judy Robinette about her book, How to Be a Power Connector. Well, Steve, today on Eternal Leadership, we have Judy Robinette, and Judy and I met, actually. Judy reached out to me through Twitter, uh, which has been a fantastic connection because Judy works in a world of just building relationships, but also helping people totally shift and create a mindset to look at just the resources around them and what's in the world to harness and to connect everything they have on their heart and how to make their dreams actually uh, to come true, to put things into place. And I know what she's going to share today is just to equip people to have these incredible tools to tap into what they already have right in front of them to accomplish everything that God's put on their heart to move forward. So, Judy, we're excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, Judy, just to get started, I would love for you to share just a little bit about yourself so people can get to know you the way uh, that Steve and I have uh, come to know you. So, I, you know, I grew up in Franklin, Idaho, a very small community. Um, I, I tell people I was kind of a nobody, didn't know anybody of wealth, fluence, uh, influence, or power. And uh, I would be the last person on the planet you would think would ever do a book on, on networking. And um, so I've been CEO of public and private companies, uh, love to make things happen, and have realized that all of us come to this planet with gifts and we need to make the world a better place. And the only way you do that is through other people. Nothing happens without other people. So my goal in the second half of my life is to really help people understand uh, that most people out there will help you if you ask and how a, you can use a simple system to make your dreams come true. Now, how did you get there, Judy? Because I know you, you, you told me you, uh, you grew up very shy. You grew up in the high school where they filmed Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> and, you, yeah. and you weren't even sure whether you were even a good fit for college when you were graduating that small high school. Yeah, so I, I did. I grew up very uh, shy. I was bullied in high school, you know, didn't think I would ever do anything. Um, I did go to college, uh, ended up in a couple of Fortune 300 companies, 
I was taught, you know, keep your head down, work hard, be honest, ethical, and, and good things will happen. And at about age 38, I looked around and I thought, good things aren't happening like they are for other people. And these other people out here aren't smarter. Uh, they don't seem to be doing better things than I'm doing. Something's wrong. And that's when I started to really focus on how important it was to build long-term relationships with pe- quality, quality relationships, and then use strategy to get to specific outcomes. And really, the first part is you care about people. You are genuine, you are authentic, you're vulnerable, which builds just immediate trust. Uh, people have got to know you, like you, and trust you before they will, will help you. And the more I got out of my shell, I mean, finally at age 38, John, I started telling people that I was shy and they laughed at me and I thought they were nuts. Um, but when I discovered that most of us are, are the same, we're shy, we worry about what other people think of us, and we worry that we don't have anything to offer. And the truth is, we have everything to offer. Everybody comes to the earth gifted, and we, while we all have problems, we all have solutions. And I honestly believe this is God's way of getting us, we're, that's why we work. 38 is an interesting age for for this epiphany to happen what what was going on in your life at that time where- you know i was a, a vice president um of a hospital um you know i was tired of working for people that uh, really didn't care about employees that yeah. uh, didn't have a, a bigger vision and i thought i'm wasting my life you know am i going to do this until i'm 60 i'll die Uh, I just, I felt that it was time for me to really think differently. And, you know, there's a famous quote, and it says that when you're young, you you worry how high you're going to go in life. And as you start getting older, you wonder what impact you'll make. Yeah, when, well, you know, that's such a great point. I I remember being in a very similar position, and it was about the same age, Judy, and I, I would describe it as just being just incredibly just discontent. Yes. You know, I I was raised and everybody told me work hard, get a great education, do what you love. And nobody ever said, you know, why don't you look at the kind of life that you want to create for yourself, what you want it to look like and the impact that you want to have and actually work backwards into that. And sometimes, uh, you know, you have to do activities that you're not totally excited about, but it leads you toward a goal, but it was this whole mindset shift for me that all of a sudden I'm like, I need to do something different. So as you started doing this different, you stepped out of the role of the vice president of the the hospital. What what shifted? What changed to lead you to where you are now? Um, I was at MIT giving a speech on uh, power and leadership and and the correlation. And somebody handed me a Wall Street Journal, and I picked it up, and there was an article on how to become financially independent in America. And, you know, I always thought it would be great to do what I love to do rather than having to work in what I saw myself chained to a a desk and not really making a difference in the world. And it said there were five ways. And the first one was um, marry it, second, inherit it, uh, be a doctor, be a lawyer. And I thought, well, the first four are out, and number five was start a business. And I went... How hard could it be to start a business? So I came back home to Idaho. I got a $1.2 million SBA loan. uh, And dumb me, I started a franchise restaurant. And I almost went bankrupt. I will never forget taking my financials to a bankruptcy attorney, just shaking in my boots. 
and showing them to him. And he looked at me and he said, well, you're not even close. And I said, but I'm broke. Uh, and that was kind of a defining moment that I decided I would fight. I would put up the hair the back of my neck. I was able to turn it around and... Uh, uh, and that led to me becoming CEO of a small uh, public company, again, that had tremendous problems, but I was able to turn it around. And, you know, I, I found out that um, everything will follow. The vision comes first. You have to have the vision. All of the resources are, are out there. You have to get out of your box and, and find them, but they'll show up. You know, it's just like, um, you know, every time you have a vision, Goliath always shows up every time. Yeah, and you, and you need to become the David, but what gave you the courage to put the rock in the sling? And, you know, what was your vision at that time that allowed you to hurl the rock and move forward past Goliath? Um, you know, I think it was my desire to uh, do something than a nine-to-five job. Um, and I really kind of caught the fire that the way that you create wealth, the way you create value in the world is is with startup companies. And I had not been taught that at all. I didn't know anything about that. I was much like rich dad, you know, poor dad, uh, get a job and make other people wealthy. So I had mm. no exposure. And when I started getting that and seeing a totally different world, I mean, I started meeting millionaires and, and billionaires uh, and it was exciting. And I decided I was going to be a part of it. Well, you know, that's interesting. You know, you bring up Kiyosaki's book, but you wrote a book uh, called How to Be a Power Connector. It's the 550-150 rule. And I'd love to hear about why you wrote the book and what you learned as you met these people. How did you actually develop relationships that didn't, that weren't self-serving, but they were mutually beneficial and authentic, as you spoke about before? Well, I think, um, so the reason I wrote the book is, you know, I, I've always been disturbed how many people I meet that just have brilliant ideas, concepts for drugs that could solve cancer, uh, whatever, all over the world. I've, I've been to India, worked with people in Colombia, and that they have kind of a scarcity mentality. So they don't understand there's 7 billion people on the planet. The global private wealth is $369 trillion. Now, that's a projection by Credit Suisse for 2019. Information is doubling every six months, and we put it in the cloud. There's so much of it. And countless opportunities. Those are all the raw materials you need, critical resources to achieve your personal and your professional dreams. And so that's what I wanted people to see. And I've, I've hated the word networking, frankly, because to me it was transactional. It was manipulative. You know, you mm -hmm. go into a room, and there's 500 people that run at you with a business card. And so the, the truth is you just focus on the other person. You get out of yourself. You find out what they're doing in life, and then you immediately figure out how to add value. And so that's exactly how I built such a um, strong, powerful network. And, and I can make literally almost anything happen. Well, you were, I mean, I'm thinking about this, this massive wealth that's being created in the world and information that's flowing and, and the billions of people. What are some simple steps as you bring that all the way down to people's individual worlds? And how do you tap into that? Because that, that seems almost overwhelming when you think of how big actually everything out in the potentials and the possibilities are. Yeah, well, you have to start where you are. And, you know, like I said, I grew up in, you know, small Franklin and, uh, you know, owned a restaurant in Twin Falls, Idaho, which was population 50,000. But I found that you have to talk to strangers, 
Um, and I teach people in my book, I call it the two golden questions. You share your story, what it is you're trying to achieve. And then you first ask, what other ideas do you have for me? And number two, who else do you know I should talk to? And this gives you the best information in context. And it also gives you the best people. You're actually curating people out of their network. Now, on average, people know 632 people. And so most things in life happen because of hard work. The second part is luck. And you actually can create luck by positioning where you put yourself. So oftentimes I tell people, you know, you're in the wrong room. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. So, (laughs) John, when I, you know, hit that 38 and wondered what the heck I'm doing in life, I remember this quote and it said, if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. And it really troubled me. And I thought, what on earth do I need to do different? And it was get out of my box, get into a different room. So, you know, for example, people call me all the time looking for money and they're trying to get in the room of the VC. It's the Mm -hmm. wrong room. Angels fund 90% of the startups out there. And there's 775,000 angels in the United States. There's 1,000 incubators, um, you know, countless uh, colleges that offer entrepreneur classes. So really the secret is quality relationships plus strategy to your outcome. So you think about your outcome What is that outcome you're after? And so you figure out who has the resources that you need, and then you figure out where they hang out, and then you go to that room. Interesting. What, what, you know, when you talked about finding the right box for yourself, what, what, did that mean anything more than just the people that you were trying to find the the right room, so to speak? Yeah, you know, Jack Hanfield says that if you take the five people you run around with and, and average, uh, that's how much money you make, that's a, the kind of thinking you have, and, and I decided I needed to get, you know, a, a better level of, of friends. Um, and not that I got rid of my, my other friends, but that I was, you know, I'm just going around in a circle and not getting anywhere. Yeah, I've... Uh... What I always teach my kids and in business is, you know, who the person you're going to be in five years is who you associate with and then the books that you read. Yeah. It's it's all about preparing our mindset. And you talked about luck. I've always thought of that as that's where preparedness and opportunity meet. Yes. You have to be you have to prepare yourself to get there. So interesting, you know, in the book, I'd love for you to go through because there's some definite meanings to the five, the 50, and the 150. Could you share those? Yeah. So, you know, many people are trying to get gazillions of contacts on Facebook or LinkedIn. And, you know, you need to focus on quality, not quantity. So if you think about how many of those people in your life have had your back and would have your future, it's often very few. So Dunford's Law says that at 150, a group falls apart. And so I decided I would develop a system based on that's kind of the outer circle, even though we each know 632 people. But relationship science says that our inner group of 5 to 15 is our close friends and family. And those people provide love and support capital. The next one out I call the key 50. And these are relationships that can help you strategically get to that outcome, whatever outcome you have. And, and I learned when I was in Twin Falls, Idaho, I was writing um, 
for a small newspaper. I was the vice president of a hospital. My neighbor was a legislator. And I found myself in this position of knowing everything that was going on in town, where the money was, where the deals were, what politically. And it was a, a place of power. I could make things happen. So I replicated that. So when I moved to Salt Lake, you know, I did the same thing. Um, and now I have done it on a global basis. Because if you if you know people with gravitas, the power to help you, um, if your reach is wide, both geographic and across different industries and sectors, and it's robust, meaning people will get back to you, they'll keep their word, uh, they'll have your back, um, then you're golden. I mean, that is the most crucial resource you can have because, you know, not only does nothing happen without people, but we're not smart enough to know it all. And, you know, we've, we've got to work with other people. So, you know, let's let's bring this down to maybe a, a practical example, uh, like we shared about before we started. Uh, a friend of mine, he's a business owner. He's done very well. He knows his business, uh, but he has this vision, this dream. It's really in the social entrepreneurial space, some things that he wants to do in Africa. He doesn't have a big network. He hasn't developed it right now. He's been very focused on his building his company, which he's done well. To, somebody who's in that situation... How would you recommend they start to take the, those principles you just shared and put them into practice? So the first thing is <clears throat> they need to start with the network they already have. I mean, I'm always shocked uh, that people don't know who the people in their network know. So research shows our influence is limited to a friend of a friend of a friend. So first start with the network you already have. And I'll give you a, an example. Mike Muni, who founded the CRM Industry uh, Act software sold it for forty-eight million. Was introduced to me. Has the number one app, uh, VIP Orbit for contacts. And I met with him and I said, Mike, I've never heard of this. What on earth are you doing for marketing? And he said, Oh, Judy, what I would give if I could just get an article published in Success Magazine. And I said, Mike, when you go home, I want you to talk to the woman who introduced us, who I've known for less than six months, who's been a best friend of yours for years. Her, one of her friends is Darren Hardy. And so you need to, and this happens every week, I'll talk to people um, and they don't know who's already in their network and who those people know. So first, it's mind the network you have. Tell people, this is my idea. I want to take this project to Africa. What ideas do you have for me? Who else do you know I should talk to? Now, if that comes up a blank, then the next thing is certainly you can go on Google, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter and start following the thought leaders that are in this specific space that you want to get involved in. And people are totally accessible today. I mean, John, I wrote to you, I saw what you were doing. Um, and, and I find most people will help if you ask. And so it is find the thought leaders, find that, but for heaven's sakes, don't stop. You know, you can go to a local university, a college, find somebody who's doing teaching a class similar to what area you want to go to. Well, you know, it's interesting is as you think about that network, something that's coming to mind is you really have to have some really good clarity, though, on the outcomes that you want. Yes. Like the your friend with ACT, getting yes. into Success Magazine, uh, you know, taking the time and stepping back and saying, okay, what is the real result and outcome that I want to develop? And then how do I engage the people around me? So yeah. what are some of the steps there? You work with business people. You, you're an angel investor. Uh, you see a lot of people come across your path that don't have that clarity and some that do. What's the difference? 
Um, you know, some of some of the people have just kind of hit the wall and kind of given up. And some people will say you need to go talk to Judy. Um, and, and I find persistence is key. You know, you keep going. You know, you keep asking those questions. But honestly, it'll happen much faster than you think if you ask those two questions. And that's exactly how I, I know billionaires and, and celebrities, Mark Burnett, endorsed my book. He was a stranger. Uh, you know, I did exactly what I'm saying. I reached out to somebody who happened to know someone that knew someone that knew him. And then I figured out a value proposition. I mean, immediately you should figure out how you can add value to the other person. And you can. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of homework. But why would they talk to you? And the reason they would is because you can always figure out a solution. So Mary Kay said she could tell you what people want more than money and sex. It's praise and appreciation and acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I tell people, just remember, every one of those billionaires gets up in the morning, you know, has to go to the bathroom, put their clothes on. They hurt. They have problems. So you can help figure out how to solve a problem. So what did you do as a value proposition for Mark Burnett? So <clears throat> I'd, lo I'd love to hear the story because okay. it's going to it's going to get the creative part of all of us going. OK, so I was on a panel with with Mark Cuban on uh, businesses and, and I went out of my way to, to try to get his attention, which I did. Uh, and then I asked him if he would be willing to review my book. And he said he didn't have time. And just in a split second, I thought, well, I'll go to your boss. <laughs> and and I, it came to me. I should try to get in touch with Mark Burnett. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, there's one. But I found out through a friend that they knew somebody who sort of knew him, worked a, a part-time job. And so I contacted him and I said, what does Mark need? And he said, you know, Mark and Roma Downey just spent $18 million on Son of God movie. And they're trying to figure out other ways they can market or the best marketing, given the fact they can't spend $150 million like the studios can. And so then I came back and I thought, how could I help? Well, I got one of the brochures. I saw the Baptists had endorsed it, the Catholics had endorsed it. I didn't see the Mormons. Um, and so I've got some connections there. And I called one of my friends in New York who does Deseret News' publicity. And I said, you know, this, this and I watched the movie. It is, it is tremendous, wonderful. And I said, certainly the church could get behind this. They said, absolutely. So then I called my friend um, and I found out that he was bringing the movie to Park City, to Sundance. And um, I, I knew that piece of information. So then I called this guy and I said, look, I've got something that I think would be worthwhile. You, you know, he needs to consider doing A, B, and C. This would be the outcome here if he would just spend 15 minutes with me in Park City. The next thing I know is I have an invite from his handler, as they call him, mm -hmm. saying, Mark would like to have dinner with you at Ruth Chris Steakhouse in Park City. Uh, it was great fun to walk in and they said, do you have a reservation? And I said, yes, Mark Burnett. And they, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got the best seat in the house and, and he came in. I instantly said, you know, I'm an admirer of what you've done. Um, I hear you're trying to work on marketing. You know, here's some ideas. I've got some connections. Um, there's 16 million people of the LDS faith, very well organized. And, uh, you know, about 20 minutes into it, he said, who are you? Um, and then I told him a little about <laughs> who I was, and, and he said, you know, what could, is there anything you need? And I said, I'd love for you to read my book and possibly consider endorsing. And he said, done. And I said, you know, I'd love to get my book to Oprah. And he said, she's a friend. 
Um, and, you know, I still get letters from them. They're filming AD. They were just in Morocco. I think they're back home now. But, you know, and it just shows you every single person out there is a human being. And if you have a value proposition, you can put yourself out there and you can meet anybody. Well, you know, the, in Scripture, it talks about going the extra mile. And that yep. is that is a definition of going the extra mile. Now, do you go to that extent when with a lot of the people that you've pulled into your orbit? No. Because that was a lot no. of work. Well, you know, it wasn't really a ton of work because I had people I could connect to. So as soon as I went out and said, does anybody know Mark Burnett? You know, bingo, in my network, there is somebody. Uh, but uh, no, uh, and I started again at the bottom just with where I was asking, saying, this is my goal, this is where I'm going, what other ideas, who else do you know I should talk to? And then you end up meeting people, and then you ask that person the same thing. And and this is, I mean, in Salt Lake, uh, I didn't know anybody, and I became friends with Mark Eaton. Uh, Mark introduced me, it was like five different levels, there's actually a, a graph in my book that shows it. I ended up meeting Rosie Rios, our U.S. treasurer, Heidi Rosen at Draper VC, and, you know, just through methodically kind of asking those two questions. And many of them are surprised. I mean, you're often surprised at who people in your, I mean, I would challenge you guys and everybody on the call, you know, go out to your top 25 people and say, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm growing my business. This is the direction I want to go in the second half of my life. What other ideas do you have for me? You'll be astounded. So ask them what ideas they have for you, and who else do you think I should know? Yeah, who else should I talk to? Who else do you know I should talk to? You know, and is that how you develop, you know, the, the 50 people in that network? Could you define who, who those 50 people are, and then um, how do you interact with that larger group and really develop some more authentic relationships? Those, those five close friends, I, that's very clear how that develops but yeah so the 50 people um those are you know people that that i've met we've had a, a chemistry we've hit it off i always do a value check i'm very careful not to have bad actors you know there's the narcissistic people me 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 got you uh there's a psychopath who come across as very smart very you know high level communication skills they lack empathy that's the number one red flag so i i look for character first and and then um, gravitas, you know, their their ability. Uh, usually, these are people who are who are wanting to make a difference in the world. Uh, and so, I, I look for those two. I also look if they're generous, because just because somebody can help you doesn't mean they will. And so, you can even look at someone's LinkedIn profile and read between the lines, and you can get a really good read on their character. So, I'm kind of careful. I used to say I only let people in my network who had a good head, a good heart, and a good gut. Mm -hmm. And I boiled it down to, is this person an Oprah or a Martha Stewart? Now, they're both billionaires. They're exceptional at what they do. But if I had to pick someone that had my back and my future for me and my values, it's Oprah. Interesting. So, character. And, and, oh, yeah, go ahead. Character and, and gravitas, you know, leaders. It's really a combination of character uh, leaders, thought leaders, you know, what, whatever. And I made it a point of um, having people across different industries. You know, when, when I was in Twin, I found out how powerful it was to have connections at the newspaper. I was on a board of directors. You know, that's a great thing. You know, I volunteered to be on a finance committee for a political governor's uh, race in Salt Lake. 
And, and that's where I met the first three billionaires out of Park City. So that was a right room. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example that's really practical, I met a, a fellow in Salt Lake. He'd been recruited from back east. He wasn't the typical conservative person in Salt Lake. He's black and he's gay. And within two years, he had built this astounding book of business. And I said to him, how on earth did you do this? You didn't know anybody when you came to town. He just looked at me and smiled and he said, I joined the symphony. That's where the people are I need. That was the box he needed to be in. Yeah. And so, and, and then I just make it a point. I curate some really good information. Uh, Quartz.com uh, has a daily newsletter, McKinsey, a couple of other reports. And then I'll go, oh, you know, 15 people in my network would like this. You know, boom, send it to them. And, and I usually only contact those people maybe once a month. But if I've put in the time and effort and they know I have their back, uh, then I can pick up the phone even if I haven't talked to them in three months and they'll return the call. So what's Quartz.com, Judy? It's, um, it is like a macro economic, it's a, news, a global newsletter. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's QT.com for, for all of your listeners. I, I love it. It's better than the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. Just has a short little paragraph of everything, the major events, new things, uh, that are going on in the world. And so I use that because, you know, there's too much information. Like you said, it is overwhelming. You can't meet 7 billion people and read everything. But if you just curate some of the best information that you can, uh, plus some of the best people you can, you're golden, literally. What is the thing that, that limits people from uh, this huge reluctance to pick up the phone and say, you know, Judy, here's somebody I'd love to meet that can help me with this nonprofit, this cause, this company. And they're scared to death to just make that simple request. So, you know, fear really is at the, the root of all of it. But I, I really challenge people to rethink their beliefs and their assumptions, particularly about other people and about networking. So, you know, you're taught strangers are danger, which works really good as a kid. Uh, many <laughs> people have the, the assumption that... Um, you know, there's no resources available. And I think a lot of people think, who am I? What would I really have to offer? You know, was there, you know, you're at a point now where you've developed this very significant network from that time you were 38 until, you know, where you're operating today. There must have been a point in there where you had a just a low point. You really had to rely on your faith or some very close relationships. What were what was a piece of that journey, and then how did you move back forward again? Well, you know, I, I almost went bankrupt with uh, Elmer's Pancake and Steakhouse, a, a franchise, and, and that terrified me. I remember, uh, you know, crying, could barely get myself out of bed. I actually dreamed I'd commit suicide. Mm. Uh, but after I turned it around and sold it, it literally put steel up my spine. And, and then I learned to be more resourceful. Uh, scrappy in, in making things happen. Um, then I became the CEO of a small public company. At one point, one of the funding groups that I had worked with um, called me one day and said, you know, we know you and love you, but we want you to um, sell the assets, clean up the balance sheet, and, you know, move into this different company. And if you don't, we're going to say you've committed fraud on every penny we've invested in you. And uh, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And I would wake up at night, honestly, in a cold sweat. Um, And one night I dreamed they were killing me, literally. What was terrifying you? Um, Well, you know, if you you have a a hedge fund that says they're going to sue you every which way up and down, um, that's pretty scary. 
And, um, you know, I didn't have the, the money to go after them, certainly. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had assured me they'd done it before. Um, and, you know, I'd been very honorable, had worked really hard, had done, you know, I'd raised millions of dollars, had, um, you know, a lot of success. And um, so one night I had this uh, dream and I always tell people about Paul McCartney's song, Let It Be. You know, for many years, I thought he was talking about Mother Mary. And it turns out his mother's name is Mary. And his mom died at a young age, and he was in a horrid situation, very depressed. And his mother came to him in a dream and said, let it be, let it be, there will be an answer. And the same thing happened to me. Um, I, I had, I guess you would call it an out-of-body experience. I could see myself laying flat out, and I had my hands across my heart on my chest. I could see myself breathing like I was asleep. And this hand came and sprinkled, it looked like gold dust, just very slowly over my head, down over my, my feet. And when it came back up, I heard this booming voice say, you are protected. Um, and it was a s- sacred uh, experience. I will never forget it as long as I live. And so I take comfort from the fact that, you know, there's a lot going on that we don't know about behind the scenes and that you need to have faith, that you need to continue on with your vision, that the people will show up and you just need to avoid fear. So there's a great book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And it says basically as long as you feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it says as long as you're alive, you will feel fear. But if you don't address it, Uh, It gets worse. And so I have found out, you know, if you just say in your head, stop it, and then get out of your head and take action. I mean, the secret really is taking action. And then, you know, Goliath gets much smaller and you find out the resources were always there. You know, I have found that, you know, fear I define as false evidence appearing real. It's this fantasy reality that we project into the future that will probably never happen, but it stops us in the present. Yeah, it stops you from taking action. As long as you take action, you know, I tell people, keep saying yes to the universe and just watch the magic that will happen. I mean, people will show up, the right things show up, but you have to take action. Judy, what was that action then that you took with that company after you had that out-of-body spiritual experience? You know, I went ahead, um, did what they uh, wanted me to do, um, you know, cleaned it up. I'd been the CEO for a number of years. And and interestingly, at that point, somebody called me a super angel out of Park City and said, I want you to vet this little company I'm looking at called Skull Candy. And, And they're broke. Um, you know, the founders had some difficulty. Would you go talk to them? And, and I met Rick Alden um, at Skull Candy. So at, at year three, he had a quarter of a million in sales, run out of cash, had products stuck in China, was trying to get it into the U.S. Um, two years ago, he went public with a market cap of $550 million. So I started seeing the same pattern, just like in my own life, that, you know, people hit the wall. There are problems. As soon as you start getting ready to go to the next level, you know, problems show up. And then you have to get gritty, get scrappy, and build up your, your muscle, get some spine, uh, and then you're prepared for the next level. And, and it just is, it is, I think, what part of what we are here to do. And you have to do it with, with other people. So when I was young, it always troubled me that God let Cain live. And our great-great-granddaddy was a murderer. And so 
<clears throat> at one point hired Dr. Bruce Zuby at Harvard, and he was always telling me stories about the Torah. And I said to him one day, Bruce, what does Judaism say about this? And he said, oh, Judy, God meets out the perfect judgment. And I said, how on earth was that the perfect judgment? And he said, listen, if you would have been raised Jewish, you would have been taught there's only two ways to make money. Number one is the hard way, out in the boonies, away from people off the land. Number two is in commerce with people. And it just came to me instantly mm, that the more, the more connections you make, every time there's a boat, there's a printing press, the internet, uh, people get together, they innovate, they create. And, you know, I call it my cane theory of economics. And we, I'll, I'll tell you, we're in a perfect storm like the world has never seen between Web 3.0 the democratization of capital with crowdfunding that is going around globally is going to open doors. We're going to see innovation, invention. Uh, you know, some of the studies are showing poverty is finally going down. So I'm very excited to have uh, to be living now. What is the Keynes theory of economics? Well, the Keynes theory is that <clears throat> you know nothing happens without people. You have to connect, and the more people, the better. So, you know, it's uh, they used to say, why would people go to New York that prices of apartments? Well, they know that's the right room for them to be in. And so the more connections that you make, the better off you are. The more connections to people, because people, everything is attached to a human. A human writes a check. A human has the best research. A, a human has money, everything. So everything is so we're I think we're required to work with people. So all these, the 50% of Americans who self-identify themselves as shy or people that haven't developed relationships and networks, they're almost self-imposing on themselves this Canian uh, trip through the wilderness. But yep. when, they, when they move, when they make a conscious choice to change that mindset, develop some skills to move into community, uh, into relationship, all of a sudden, it, it's, it, you know, it's interesting you were you were scared to death you're having night terrors and nothing happened externally but you had this experience where god gave you some some peace and some confidence yeah you made a shift internally you changed your mindset now all of a sudden you're dealing with everything externally that hasn't changed but in a very different way that now has this incredible outcome and, and there's just such a valuable lesson to be learned there when our situation and everything around us is not working the way that we want to do we don't have to radically change everything that we're doing but we do need to go into relationship with people around us or with our faith in god and just change how we're thinking and use the support of people around us to make that subtle shift that's going to just yield incredible results for us absolutely you so, know so that's what i'm hearing and that wow what a great story thank you so much for sharing that you're welcome well you know as we as we as we wind down here what's you know, everybody out there listening, uh, what's one thing you would leave them with as they're driving to work today? I'm sure they have dreams and hopes and aspirations on their heart, no matter what level they're in, whether they're a billionaire, whether somebody's sitting in the cube and they just have an interesting idea. What would you leave them with? You know, smile at people and just say hello. You know, just reach out. Get, get out of your comfort zone just a little bit and then be sure and ask those two golden questions. Your life will radically change for the better. And Judy, how can people get in touch with you? And we're going to put everything here in the blog post about this episode also for people. Yeah, I'm on, on LinkedIn. There's no E on the end of Robinette. I, I'm on Twitter, at Judy Robinette. I've got a website, www.judyrobinette. And, and certainly, I think your readers would 
enjoy my book. And, and I did that to pay for the gift of, of life. I mean, it really is kind of my, my journey from being shy, bullied to, you know, uh, next Tuesday night, I'm going to the United Nations to a reception because a guy in Denmark read my book and he happens to be the associate uh, secretary general. Now, you know, I'm a little nervous. I've never been to the United Nations and I have no idea who I'm going to meet. But you know what? I'm going. And, and I want other people out there to take that step and go. And then really write to me and let me know what you learn. Oh, that's fabulous. And, and, and people, please, uh, we'd love for you to get in touch with Judy, put a post. You know, if you, if you uh, put comments on the, the blog post at eternalleadership.com, just su- search for Judy Robinette or just search for Judy. And Judy will get back to you. We'll make sure that uh, we forward those to her and she sees those. And so thank you so much for your time today, Judy. This was just fabulous for me personally. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. If you'd like to purchase Judy's book, be sure to click on the link embedded in this MP3 or go to eternalleadership.com and we'll have a link there. And, you know, buying the book through the links we provide, it's a simple way to support this show. John and I are bootstrapping this thing as we get it going. And so if you're interested in any of the books that we present, please consider buying it through those affiliate links that we offer. We'd be very grateful. As I said at the top of the show, John and I want to make this show about you. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or leave us a comment on our website. Uh, We love hearing how this show is touching you as well as any feedback that you can give. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Jerry Anderson. It's amazing how the human mind works. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. You've got to be careful what you put in your mind because you'll soon be there. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. 